uncommon today to hear the Gospels, the four accounts of Jesus' life, as criticised for the way that they treat fiction as truth. You hear people say that they're not real history because they have an agenda. In fact, there are really only two history sources we have for Israel in the first century, the New Testament and a man called Josephus. And almost always, Josephus is given preference by historians because the New Testament is religious and Josephus is historical, forgetting that, of course, Josephus has his own agenda. But it's funny that there's this supposed division between what's religious and what's historical. Because one thing you find when you open a gospel, particularly a gospel like Luke, is that they are particularly interested in showing the historicity, the real-life events that have happened. In fact, you kind of get the sense that it is irrelevant unless it's historical. These things only matter if they are true, if they happen in the real world. They are keen not to present the Gospels as happening in the world of myth, in the world of beasts and monsters. Their conviction is that the real world is where God has become man. In other words, the supernatural and the natural have become one in Jesus. Today's line of the creed is this, who was conceived of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. The virgin birth does something very particular. It tells us that Jesus' birth and entrance into this world was supernatural, but not mythical. That God has come into this this world as a real person. He doesn't just look like a person and sound like a person and feel like a person. He is an ordinary person and yet a divine person. There is something significant in this otherwise ordinary man. In the world of myths, warriors and characters and kings simply turn up on the page. They don't have an origin. If they do, it tends to be quite fantastical. They simply live in the story. They live in the world of myth. And in myths, writers aren't trying to uh, take you to a real place and say, and, you know, this happened and you can go to the real place where it happened. They're trying to paint a story. Sometimes they do use locations that people would know but they don't pretend it's history. But in the story of Jesus, he doesn't just turn up. He doesn't just walk onto the page. He comes in as a baby with real parents in a real town, in a real family. Even though he has natural parents, his entrance is a supernatural miracle. So what's so important about this doctrine? Why does it Uh, Why is it so necessary that it even makes it into the Apostles' Creed, the statement of faith, which kind of lays out what's essential for the faith? Why the virgin birth through the Virgin Mary? Certainly in recent years, some people have considered it to be a secondary issue, one that we can drop, one that often comes up at Christmas, and a few Christians cringe about and get embarrassed, and they say, I still believe Jesus died and rose from the dead. Do we really need to keep rehearsing this whole thing about the virgin birth? Some Christians would quite like it to be a secondary doctrine. For some, this statement says wonders about Mary, the Virgin Mary. It was made a very big deal of because she was untouched 
by childbirth and pregnancy. And Jesus was beamed into her, and rather than giving birth, he simply beamed out of her. Mary was true virgin forever and ever afterwards. This was the, the, the doctrine that was taught through Gnosticism. Because she was so pure, she remained a virgin. That's really not what's going on with the virgin birth. The virgin birth is not a doctrine that's supposed to take us to Mary, but to take us to the God-man. What does this say about Jesus? See, as you go through the Bible, you find plenty of people are called God's son. You find David is called God's son. You find Solomon is called God's son. You find that Zerubbabel is called God's son. These were ordinary men who were appointed as the son of God as a title. It was an office that reflected their relationship with God. It was kingly. But Jesus, certainly fulfilling that as well in that kingly office, isn't called God's son simply as a role or because he was appointed to it. He is truly the son of God. He is truly God. And yet Jesus didn't uh, beam onto the earth. He didn't just appear like that story of Mary. He didn't float around appearing like a man. No, he was born through a woman, truly man. And the virgin birth really protects this theological truth that Jesus is truly God and truly man. His entrance into this world was historical but supernatural. It wasn't mythical. Luke goes to so many pains to show us that the details of Mary's pregnancy and her then marriage to Joseph in the birth in Bethlehem, all these details would be irrelevant in the world of myth. It doesn't matter where he was from. The virgin birth, though, tells us that we have a God-man for our saviour. We have one who has the power to save because he is God and yet the ability to come into our weakness, to take on our problems, to be our substitute, because he is truly human. The virgin birth is a precious doctrine because it presents to us a precious saviour who is able to save. So just a reminder, today's line of the creed is, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary, Jesus our saviour, truly God and truly man. Thanks very much for joining me, guys. I'll see you later.